Hey Bulls Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and it's uh, been a rough week for the Chicago Bulls. As we sit here on Martin Luther King Day, they've dropped four straight to the Nets, the Warriors, the Celtics, and the Grizzlies. Now, I know I was one of those people that really wanted to see the Bulls perform against some of these upper echelon teams in the league, especially against one of the top teams in the East and the top team in the West. It just didn't go well. Now, there's a couple of factors in there. You have Alex Caruso, who's still missing from action, losing Derek Jones Jr., who's really provided crucial minutes at the four, and then Zach Levine getting hurt on Friday night. Thank God everything is okay there. Thought things could have been much worse on a non-contact injury to his knee, but looks like he should be back soon. But there was just a ripple effect that took its course and of course the team is just missing a lot of key role players now you would like to see players like for instance Nikola Vucevic an all-star somebody you traded draft equity for really step up and he's just had a rough stretch here for the Bulls the last few games Um, I don't know if I'm jumping ship on him or jumping ship on the fact that this Bulls team is an Eastern Conference contender or potential title contender. I still think they are one of the top teams in the East. Would I bet my mortgage on them representing the Eastern Conference in the finals or winning an NBA championship? I am still not there yet. I don't think they have all the pieces as currently constructed to knock off one of the top teams like the Nets or the Bucks, or if they made it to the finals like the Warriors or Suns. I still think... Some of those teams still have that extra gear that they can get to. I'm not sure if the Bulls have that quite yet. I still want to see more. I think they can get there. And I think there's a chance that there's opportunities to improve this roster, add depth, and add a key piece that could bring this team up to another level. I want to talk about this recent stretch and more with my guests tonight. Yes, I said guests, plural. The hosts of the Bulls 101 podcast from Barroom Network are joining me today. Laro, Larry Golden, and Chris Odmanson are joining me today. So let's bring them on. Chris, how are you? Laro, how are you? I am all good, Doing great. man. I'm sorry about that, man. Uh, I'm all good. Um, happy to be on the show again, man. It was a lot of fun last time. So, I mean, it's, I'm really happy to be on here with my with my boy Chris this time, man. I was I was wondering I, I can't recall I know we did one individually the both of us but I was like have we done one together and of course I guess not and and I, I would have remembered if I had uh, done my intro at the same time as Laro like we just did so <laughs> we're working on it, the, the coordination here yeah you know before we get into everything I'm just curious how is everything going like I know I've been listening to your podcast now for about maybe four to five months. I started listening around NBA draft or, or towards the beginning of the off season. I, I really have started listening to it more, but how's it been getting into the podcasting world for you guys now? It's um, it's, it's been a real blessing to be. Um, I, number one, finding the right partner in, in Laro who has the coaching knowledge. And I just, I feel like we have a good connection and good rapport um, you know, going back and forth with, with what we each bring to the table in terms of our knowledge and our skill set. So it's been really nice. It's a good pairing. It's like the DeRozan and, and Levine pairing. Wasn't weren't sure if it was going to work at first, but you know, uh, Laro's got that mid range game money. 
and I'm taking threes every once in a while and, you know, trying to get to the rim. <laughs> but, no, it's been great. It's been great. Ed. We're coming up on a year. I think March 6th was our first episode. Wow. So I can't believe it. Um, it's been really great, though. It's been really rewarding. And, obviously, we picked a good time to start it with the Bulls um, really showing out this year. Yeah, I think uh, Chris nailed it, man. I mean, um, it, it's crazy uh, because I never thought I would do a podcast. I thought I was always going to be the guy that sits on the couch and, you know, always says he wants to do it but never does it. So, honestly, man, it's it's been great, man. Um, you know, bouncing ideas off each other and not sounding, you know, like total crazy people. You know, like we, we, we actually try to do our best with being realistic and not uh, – going to over the top so i know this is this is this has been great man i I, (laughs) it's been really great well and i can say as a listener it's it's great and i think i said this to both of you when you came on individually you guys balance each other so well like you know i think with laura you bring up a lot of like the good x's and o's you're talking a lot of strategy i think it's the coaching in you that that kind of does that and chris brings out like all the analytical stuff and point differential you know all that kind of stuff no, you're, you're right, man. You're totally right, man. And I, I told Chris this uh, as well as like, I'm still trying to get better at that, that, um, you know, the cap and, and, and stuff like that. Like, I really want to get better at that. But my comfort zone is definitely the X's and O's. And I think I think you're right. And I told him, like, I think that's what it's part of the reason that makes us like a good good tandem is, like you said, we balance each other. So mm-hmm. I also have to say one of the most rewarding parts of doing the podcast is being more involved in the Bulls community. The Bulls, Mm -hmm. as far as content is concerned, it was just have incredible content creators, Uh, you know, obviously yourself and you got guys like uh, Ricky and Jason and Big Dave and Matt Peck and Salim and Edward. Like we got some, there's like 10 different Bulls podcasts and all of them are really, really good. You know, like Buzz and and, um, Bulls Scripted. And anyways, I'm going to forget somebody if I keep naming them off. So apologies, I won't take it more time, but it's really awesome to just, be involved in the community and and get to kind of glean that knowledge from different perspectives. And that's the most rewarding part for me of being a fan is, is diving in deep to this stuff and really having a, a better understanding of the game. And I feel like my knowledge of the game from being able to listen and participate in those discussions has improved a ton over the last year. Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, it's a very um, inclusive community and it's a very collaborative community. You see it at you know, you're on this podcast and all these different podcasters go on each other's podcasts pretty frequently. And it's it's nice. There's there's other communities where it's not like that and other sports that are a little more cutthroat. So it, it's kind of cool to see that. And it's one of the reasons I love it, too, to, to be a part of this and, and create Bulls content. Um, right now, it's a little rough, though, to talk about the Bulls because we're coming off as we sit here on Martin Luther King Day, uh, a four game losing streak. I was really excited about this stretch. I was telling the listeners before you guys hopped on that I was looking forward to seeing the Bulls perform against some of the upper echelon teams in the league. Now, there are some circumstances that have caused this. You've had guys out of the lineup. We've had just, I think, going up against a level of competition. It was like a perfect storm of shit. It happens, you know. Um, But I just want to get both your thoughts. Coming off this rough stretch, how concerned are you? And I'll, I'll start with you. Laurel, and then we'll go to Chris. Um, so for me, I try to, I try to, okay, before the, the stretch, I, I was very excited for this stretch because I thought that this team needed to play against 
the top tier teams to to really get a good idea of what they may need to improve upon um, x's and o's wise schematically but also you know roster wise you know what holes you know and, and we kind of know uh, you know what exactly they may need but you just never know going to act, going up against you know um those teams what 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 may pop up or what may what you may say oh whoa whoa okay maybe we have something here um but uh when you when you lose Zach um it kind of just it kind of pushes your optimism down a little bit and you, you go into these games thinking like oh it's gonna be you know horrible while I'm watching type deal but I think one of the cool things about a stretch like this when when you're down this bad is it's early but for guys like Io and uh, Kobe and a couple other guys that that can get some meaningful reps, especially Io, um, but that's what I kind of look in look into it for is like seeing who who steps up, um, you know, kind of that's how I go into these stretches, especially after what what you know what we've gone through with Zach going down and Javante and everybody. So that that's where I go into it. So I guess. I'm not too concerned. Yeah, I agree with Laro. I mean, as far as my concern level for the Bulls overall, it's pretty low. I mean, we've we've lost uh, like half our rotation in the last week, it seems like, and, and obviously Caruso is still in protocols. Javante Green's out. And so Javante Green and Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball specifically, those three have been our defensive anchors on the perimeter this year. And I know I sent like a tweet thread, I think it was last week, about – kind of how the defense works and chip Jones did a really good job of explaining how, how it works. And he has like a whole article and a visual about it. Um, but Vucevic is so reliant on the ball handlers being slowed down or prevented from getting dribble penetration, because if they get into that lane, you know, they can carve up the defense real quick and, and Vooch is not the type of rim protector that's going to be able to, to erase those kind of advantages but Caruso and Lonzo and Javante and even DJJ, those those guys can, and they have been doing that this year. And so having those guys out is obviously, um, you know, unfortunate timing. And I, I think I sent out a tweet today, the four times we've been on national TV, we're twice against the Warriors, once against the Nets, and once against uh, today against the Grizzlies. And we lost all four of those games by a combined 107 points, which is <laughs> an absolute whooping. Um, and obviously there's circumstances surrounding that, but I think one of the positives that Laro mentioned is when you have guys out, you get to see other guys step up into roles that they're not usually tasked and assigned with. And so you can see kind of how they flourish. And I think Kobe and IO specifically have really showed out with that extra time. And you've got guys stepping up like Malcolm Hill, who's on a 10 day mm -hmm. contract. I mean, he's, he's played two good games in a row. Uh, you saw, you know, uh, Alfonso McKinney had a really good game earlier. And so, you know, those things are good. Troy Brown Jr. continues to have pretty good minutes off the bench. But obviously, the downside is you really wanted, I mean, for me personally, I wanted to see how he matched up at full strength with guys like the Bucks and the Nets going into the trade deadline to see what we need to be looking for, you know, to kind of show us our weaknesses. And it showed us different weaknesses, but not the ones that I was hoping that we, we would get some more information on. I do want to talk about that a little bit later when, as we start to get closer to the deadline. I want to get your thoughts on maybe what needs to be added. But before we do, um, you both mentioned Io DeSumo as being one of those guys that really stepped up in these last four games with a lot of guys out. And I was talking with, with Chris offline as we were kind of getting ready for this, and 
you know, I'm a I'm a fighting Illini fan, and I was thrilled when the Bulls drafted Iowa Desumu, but I don't think I expected him to be as big of a contributor as he's been to this point, and he has gotten better as the season's gone on, and I'm starting to see some of those traits that I remember at Illinois. You know, being able to take on one of the team's best guards and take him on defensively, and we're starting to see offensively his game really come into form. I'll start with uh, with you, Laura. What, what are some things that you've been impressed with with Io, not just even in this stretch, but so far this season? Um, when Io was drafted, uh, me and Chris did a show uh, with Mark K. Shout out Mark K. Uh, Bulls AQ, Bulls HQ. Um, but uh, we did a show. And I, I'm also uh, kind of a closet Illinois fan, um, so like I'm more, I'm, I'm a bit I'm I'm a Kentucky guy, but I, I still you know root for Illinois Big Ten. Um, so I, I paid attention to Io. I've also kept up with him even when he was with Mac Irvin Fire and Morgan Park. So I've, I've been watching this game for a while. But um, one of the things that we talked about on the show was. Uh, the type of usage he had in college would not transfer um, to the NBA um, just mostly because of like the guys you have, you know, like you're not going to take the ball out of Zach Levine's hands to, to give him some, some more usage and, you know, the way they use Vooch um, things like that. But uh, we talked about, you know, the way to make an impact for him was to do what, what he did a lot of in college was, being a pest point of attack defense, using his wingspan to really, you know, you know, muddy some things up and um, interior passing, uh, getting steals and getting out on the break and finishing at the rim or making the right pass and transition. Um, though we, we said those are some of the things that he has to do if he wants to contribute and get into the rotation. And I thought, you know, knowing the type of personality he has like he would he, once he had that that shot he's not going to shy away like he's going to come out there and do his best um so the point of him doing that didn't surprise me but what has surprised me is the shooting ability from the corner corner three um some of the things he's doing offensively um uh, offensively in terms of half court being able to catch um and get to the basket uh, earlier in the season he wasn't finishing as well but he has really came on in that department. Um, but what I love about Io, especially tonight against the Grizzlies, is he really did a good job, in, in my eyes, of getting into the teeth of the defense. Like he was really good at getting inside there and making the right pass. And the one thing, uh, the last thing I want to bring up about Io is something that I brought up on the show as well on our on our pod is his pull up shooting. Um, he he's. He's always been a good pull-up shooter. Um, he, he was great at well in synergy. Um, and I think t- uh, you're starting to see a little bit of that now, like the way he's shooting in the corners, he's going to get aggressive closeouts. So him being able to get by, and if he can't get all the way to the rim, be able to pull up and knock down a jumper, I think that's something that is, we're going to see a little bit more of because I think that he can he can do that. So uh, I, I've, I've loved what I've seen from Io. Yeah, I recall when we – first started talking about Iowa, there was a lot of interest in him, obviously, because of where he went to college uh, for this Bulls team. And the two things that Lero and I highlighted as far as what his strengths were that he could translate were, were his defense and his fearlessness. Um, and those things have continued to be impressive. His defense is far more advanced than I thought it would be. And even from November to now, 
I think his defense has really improved. Um, his off-ball defense is, is much better self-defense. But his on-ball defense, I mean, the way he's shut guys, I mean, really, like, shut guys down, like Beal and Trey Young and John Morant. Like, John Morant couldn't do a whole lot against him. And John Morant is one of the best drivers in the league. I think he's second only mm-hmm. to Shea Gilgis-Alexander as far as how many times he gets into the paint per game. And Ja wasn't doing a whole lot tonight in the paint, uh, at least not from what I was watching. So I had a lot of people, we had a lot of people talking to us like, what's what's Iowa's going to be doing in the rotation? And I thought early on he would get some minutes with Kobe out, but I thought it would be kind of at that two spot, just you know, pro- provide some defense, make those open shots. But when we were going over film, if you watched his shooting – he always shot with this weird form. He's kind of like kind of all over the place when he shot, like his feet would spread apart and he just, he never had like a set shot. It was always like <laughs> kind of on the move mm-hmm. and wild. And if you watch him now, his form has improved so much. His, he's just kind of slowed down and just become more mechanical with it, more routine with his shot. And I mean, the results have, have obviously been, been there. So I've been nothing but impressed with Isle so far. And I think it would be really hard to take him out of the rotation at this point. Two quick things, you know, Chris, you bring up a great point. I was watching actually some Illini highlights the other the other night. It was like actually when they were retiring his number. And I kind of noticed that a little bit too. I'm like, man, his shot looks just so frenetic, like at Illinois. And you're right, like you see him start to take some of these like corner threes and he looks like he's a little more just set and a little more, uh, a little bit better mechanics. Borrow, or you brought up the uh, McIrvin fire. Do you remember that whole controversy with uh, Taylor Horton Tucker and Iowa Desumu back uh, when they recruited him? Dude, um, what's crazy is is I <laughs> I'm a big fan. Like anybody that knows, like Mark K, you talk to anybody. Um, yeah, I su- I support all Chicago guys that get to the league. Yeah, um, I have nothing but good things to say about him. But but I do I do I do remember. Uh, yeah, I do remember all that. Um, Let's just say I, I I know I know the coach uh, because yeah. I used to go to uh, to the Ridgewood live tournaments and um, uh, you know just just you know here and there say things to him about his team, uh, but yeah I I remember that he he talked to me about that before yeah yeah and I just it, if people don't know about it read it actually I think Ricky O'Donnell wrote an article about it back in the day when it happened um, for SB Nation but. You know, it was one of those things where a lot of Illini fans were kind of upset with the recruitment of Iowa DeSumo because they lost out on Taylor Horton Tucker. But, I mean, I think it turned out well. And, you know, Iowa's now an Illini legend. You know what that reminds me of? Hmm. Um, I remember Derrick Rose when he was coming out. Hmm. Um, he, he, they, he, um, him, him and Eric Gordon were thinking about going to Illinois together. Yep. And then they both ended up not going to Illinois at all. I don't. I, I remember that. Yeah that that happened to that happened to Bruce Weber a lot because also John Shire was thinking about going to Illinois and ended up at Duke. There was there was a whole bunch that would happen back in back at that time in Illinois. I'll get this back on the rails to the Bulls though, real quick. So, I mean, we were talking about the silver lining in Io, but one thing that I'm a little bit concerned about during this stretch, and again, there's been some circumstances that have led to these four losses, but uh, one that really stood out to me aside from the the injuries that have kind of hit the bulls a little bit during the stretch has been Vooch. I've been a big supporter of Nikola Vucevic. Uh, I think there's been a lot of irrational hate. There's one sports radio personality in Chicago, Mark Silverman, who consistently compares him to Carlos Boozer, which I think is really unfair. 
and I this is great if this is an audio presentation, but we're on camera, and Laro's shaking his head no, and I, I hope he elaborates on that. But I am a little bit upset with some of the last few games. There just hasn't been that energy or effort which you kind of need when guys are out of the lineup, especially today at Memphis. I think he played well in Boston. But against Memphis today, it really was on display, and it was frustrating to watch. Are you guys at all a little bit concerned about Vooch, or do you think this is just a, this is a guy adapting to being the third fiddle on a team with two focal points on offense? I'm going to say yes and no. Like The things that he has struggled with early in the season, which is shooting. I mean, if he's in a shooting slump, I'm not so concerned about that because if you look at what he's doing on the rest on the rest of the floor, like his passing, his rebounding, his defense has all been kind of where it has been in his career. And I think actually he's having one of his best defensive seasons. And I think due in part to the, the scheme that Billy has designed to kind of maximize his skill set, which is he's got really quick hands. He can kind of, he's got quick hands and he's got good lateral movement. So if the ball handlers, can be slowed down by our perimeter defenders. I think he gets put in positions where he can succeed. Obviously in this stretch where we don't have those guys, um, he's getting exposed and and the defensive scheme becomes kind of a liability because he doesn't have leaping ability. He's not really a rim protector and his North South, like his backwards movement is pretty slow. And so if you get guys like Luca or Trey that can get into the paint easily, then he becomes uh, a lot less effective. And so I, I can understand the frustration. And we did this with Wendell last year. Like Wendell Carter was asked to play drop coverage without anybody that could stop anybody from getting into the paint. Because he had Kobe and Zach out there with terrible point of attack defense, uh, dying on screens. And then the guys would get in the paint and then Wendell would get all the blame for it. Gafford, same thing. He got the blame for it. Um, so, you know, in that sense, I'm not worried about that. What I am worried about, as you kind of mentioned, Matt, is the effort level has seemed to kind of go up and down a little bit. And as you mentioned, it, it may be some sort of adjustment to his role, but especially with Zach out, you would, you would expect Vooch to step up a little mm-hmm. bit more. You know, if he's, if he's top banana in the offense now or second, you know, like you'd expect him to kind of have a little bit more comfort, but some of the, some of the stuff that he did today, like he had a really, really rough game offensively today. There's no, there's no getting around it. Like he was missing. Mm-hmm everything and i don't know what you do about that i mean maybe you just call it a bad game but he's had 20 of those types of games this year so there is some concern there but we also need him to get where we want to go like people saying trade vooch i think are a little crazy but you need his skill set but he's he definitely has to play with whatever is more confidence or energy than he's been playing with the last couple games So for for me, um, I think I think I'm I'm you know I'm Big Vooch I, like that's my guy you know what I mean I'm ride or die with Big Vooch I I think um, I think tonight was probably his best or I shouldn't say tonight today was his best uh, I'm sorry his worst game of the season for me um, because all the other games where people were crapping on him like at least he was still facilitating getting guys shots rebounding the ball well. Um, compounded with playing good defense but tonight I thought in his first stretch coming out he wasn't playing good defense he wasn't making good shots he he, he couldn't dribble the ball he's usually a very underrated uh, attacker of a closeout um he's very good at like you know when centers come out to close out he's very good at 
getting by them and either getting to the basket and finishing or throwing it out to an open shooter. And I just thought to, to today he just wasn't himself. It's almost like as a coach when you 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 kind of know when you when you have your your players for so long, you kind of know when they're gonna have bad games or you kind of know where they're not there. You know, maybe they're thinking about homework or they're they're thinking about their parents at home or they're thinking about something like it looked like Vooch was not there mentally. Like it looked like he was either thinking about something else or something was on his mind that it just looked like he wasn't there. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, and that's no excuse. And I'm not excusing him. Like I said, that's, this is probably his worst game to me of the season, but it just didn't look like he was fully there. Um, but um, Vooch, uh, you know, to talk about Sylvie, man, like that's disrespectful. Like I'm just, I'm just not into that, that boozer, in Vooch's deal, it's not like like Booz wishes he was as good as a passer as as Vooch. Like I'm not even gonna go there. But the thing is, um, for me, right? And Billy Donovan is at the highest level, so obviously he could probably look at my tips and just be like, "Dude, get that out of here." I'm not, you know, who are you? But but for me, like w- with Vooch, like if you go back and you watch some film of his games with Orlando, you know, um, he got touches all over the floor. You know, he just wasn't mainly a pick and pop guy. He wasn't, you know, most of his threes were above the break, you know, but he was getting a touch on the left block, the right block, the the left elbow, right elbow, mid post touches. He was getting the touches all over the place. So, like, I think that's also been a good big uh, an adjustment for him. Um, Not only like here with the ball, he gets a lot of touches, but it's more so like, you know, turning the ball to him at the top of the key into a dribble handoff or he's, you know, going to Chicago, like different things. But like, I felt like in the Celtics game, like the, where he was getting his touches, like that's where he wanted to be, you know? Um, And I feel like a lot of the times if he's missing that, he's just going to like, that's all the shots he usually gets consistently are the, the, the pick and pop threes. And so um, I just think that, you know, with a guy like Vooch, um, you, when he's having a tough time like that, you just kind of got to keep getting them touches um, in different spots. You can use him all over the place. You can pick and pop him. You can go to the corner. You can go to the wing. You can go to the slot. You, you can put him in different places. Um, and I just feel like he's someone that needs more touches when, when it comes to putting the ball in the basket. But then again, that's tough because with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, um, you know, those guys are going to take a lot of the shots. So it's just uh, for me, that's how I would go about it. Like like tonight, like I probably would have tried to get him more touches, more post ups, you know, um, more. And, and that's the thing. People think when you get post ups, oh, you know, it says he's not an efficient post up player. It's not about more more so like him getting the getting the ball and, you know, doing a drop step and then score. It's more about him getting him in, in his comfort zones. Like Vooch likes to have his the ball in his hand you know, in surveying the floor, you know, seeing doubles. And if a double doesn't come, he's very good at making the right move, whether that's a right hook over the left shoulder or like whatever it is. Like he's, 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 um, he, he's just, he's just a smart player. But I think tonight just showed that I, I just felt like he just wasn't, uh, it just felt like he wasn't there really, honestly. Mm-hmm. So one question that I wanted to ask you guys, and I've asked it to a lot of guests that have come on, uh, early this season is looking at this team's ceiling. And I'm curious what you both think, like coming out of this four game stretch, seeing what we've seen and kind of evaluating everything. What do you think this team's ceiling is? Like I kicked around in the last episode that, 
you know, is this team Eastern Conference contender? And, and I guess by definition, you could consider them that given where their record is and where they are in the standings. But I'm curious, what do you think the ceiling is for this team, the way it's currently constructed with no additions? Uh, for me, it, with this team fully healthy, um, are we t- uh, now are we saying like if Pat's healthy or just like literally before and after Pat was hurt in just the, the team constructed that way? As is without Pat. Let's do that first, and then, and I'll save Pat for a different point. So currently constructed, I, I think this team has the ability to beat anybody. Uh, but uh, the the worry I have is the re- you know we haven't we haven't touched on this either. But I think you need uh, another player off ball um, that that can be a little bit more versatile. Uh, with catching, attacking closeouts, being a really good catch and shoot shooter. Um, I think you need more. But I think without that, I think they can beat anybody, but I would say second round, second round, maybe maybe Eastern Conference, but I don't see finals currently constructed. Um, but th- that's just where I'm at. Yeah, I know JJ Redick had a comment the other day that pissed a lot of Bulls fans off and they mm-hmm. he said that he thought they were fifth in the East, the fifth best team behind uh, the Nets, the Bucks, the Sixers and the Heat. And on paper without Patrick, I kind of tend to agree with him that the on paper now, it, I think part of that's contingent on the Sixers getting something for Ben Simmons. If they can find something for Ben Simmons, I think Joel Embiid has been the best player in basketball for the last month or so. Mm-hmm. And if he's playing at that level and they've got a bunch of good role players, you know, I think they could, I think they could, uh, you know, be a Eastern conference finals team or finals team, but those are four really quality teams and they're more proven than the bulls. Now I agree with Laro that I think we can take on anybody. And I think on paper, we're a contender because of our record, because of what we've shown so far. And because I think we do have the high end talent to get it done in the playoffs. I think we, we can, even though this is a team that, can thrive in transition. I also think we've got a really good half court game and, and guys in Zach and Damar and Vooch that can really get a bucket if it comes down to an isolation. And I think we have two of the best guys in isolation in, in basketball right now. Um, but without Patrick Williams, the defensive versatility is really w- the big weakness for me is, is Vooch is at the five and otherwise we don't have anybody that can play the five. We've played D, you know, like Derek Jones Jr. at the five. And so I think Vooch's early absence in the season was kind of a, a blessing in disguise because we got to kind of play with that a little bit over that road trip. But ultimately, I think they need someone that's a little bit bigger, rangier, that has some rim protection. The Bulls currently are allow the most attempts at the rim in the league of any team. And even though because of their defensive scheme, a lot of those rim, uh, a lot of those rim, uh, attempts are highly contested and blocked a lot or deterred. It's still a tough way to, <laughs> to make your money in basketball. So I really think that they are a piece short. Now I don't necessarily think trading or not trading Patrick Williams to get that kind of guy. I know it's been floated around the bulls universe recently. I don't know if whether you do or don't do that is going to vault you ahead of a Brooklyn or a Milwaukee, but I think it gets you to their level uh, in a lot of ways, because right now, if you look at the matchups and sorry for the long winded answer, but if you look at the matchups, a team like Miami has really good defensive counters to everything we want to do offensively, right? Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, if they're healthy, PJ Tucker, 
those guys can match up with us defensively mm-hmm. and they can also grind it out. And they've got guys like hero and, and Robinson that can really light it up from deep. And they, they keep finding random guys from the NBA fringes that become rotation players like Max Struess, who played for us really briefly has been mm-hmm. on fire. Gabe Vincent, you know, uh, Yurt's event, like a bunch of these guys are good players. So like a team like that, we really need an extra piece. And so Lero kind of men- mentioned one extra guy that can kind of put pressure, um, give us a little more offensive versatility. That's I think why Harrison Barnes has kind of been mentioned. Jeremy Grant gives us a little bit more defensive versatility, but I, I do think we need something else. Hmm. Um, now it may be the return of Patrick Williams. I think it's a lot to expect of him, but he fits the mold of what, of the type of player we would need. It's just, if you haven't played basketball for four months and you're, Come off your rookie season, that's a lot to ask. So <laughs> yeah, that's I'm, where I'm at. I'm kind of with both of you on this. Like, I look at this team as maybe their, their ceiling is second round, maybe Eastern Conference finals if the matchups break their way or there's injuries or anything like that. Um, and that's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. If you had told me that before the season started, I'd be pleasantly surprised. And honestly, I think they're a year ahead of schedule. And it wouldn't surprise me if this offseason maybe additional kind of earth-shattering move is made to improve the roster. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all with the way that AK and Eversley operate. But the way that this team's constructed, it, it just seems like they're that team that could give some of those other teams we talked about, Miami, the 76ers, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, they could give them a tough seven-game series, but I'm not convinced that they're going to get over the hump. I wouldn't put my mortgage on it. So I guess... Would Patrick Williams, though, you brought this up, Chris, and Laro, it seemed like you were kind of hinting to this a little bit, too. Like, What does Patrick Williams do in terms of vaulting them? Does he make it more competitive against those teams? Like, you, I know, Chris, you said get on that level. Could he get you over the hump against a couple of those teams that you guys brought up? I think uh, for me with Pat is uh, he kind of, and Chris talked about this before, is, it's, you know, let's say with uh, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. right? You would like for Lonzo and Caruso to have to worry about Kyrie and James Harden um, and not have to worry about Lonzo taking some reps on on, uh, on KD um, and just allowing him to mat- learn those guys to match up well that way. You know, Milwaukee, you kind of want Drew and um, Drew, Chris Middleton. Um, you kind of like you want you don't want to have to count on Caruso and Lonzo to be stretch overstretching themselves if you if you if they don't have to. Pat kind of comes back and he gives you that that size that you need um, to kind of keep every keep everybody where they need to be so they're not being overextended. Um, and I think also too, I know I know it was a little tough in the in the in the beginning of the year because he started out a little bit slow um, and people were already on him, you know, uh, but. I think maybe two games before his injury, um, I I felt like you were seeing some improvements with him um, in his role, um, in short role. I thought he was making – I think we all know that. I mean, I think that's one of Pat's strengths is his passing. Um, And and when he's in short role and he was getting those reps at small ball five, um, I thought you were seeing some of his really good – his passing skill. And also – one of the strengths of Pat is that mid-range, you know, mid-range jumper um, and that little claw, little one-hand claw jumper that he likes. Um, so that also applies pressure to teams as well, that you can't just play deep drop on Pat. You know, you got you got to play up a little bit, which creates more space on the floor uh, for cutters 
Um, so, I mean, it, it, this is all kind of like a theor uh, theoretical um, because you haven't seen enough of it. But if um, if you can really think about, you know, the way Io and Kobe have improved with with a full year off season with the coaching staff, you can only imagine what Pat what what Pat could be right now as well. So that, that's kind of what how I'm even leaning in terms of the Pat situation. Yeah, I agree with Lara. I mean, a lot of it is theoretical right now. I think that's the problem is if you're going into now you mentioned Matt, they're kind of a year early as far as our expectations. I didn't expect them to be first in the East at this point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's obviously you'd hope that they would be kind of in that mix of the top four. But I think our preseason predictions were like fifth seed, fourth to I think I was fourth through sixth seed was kind of where I, I thought. And they may end up there. Um, but I, I think they've been better defensively than we thought. I thought they would be kind of 10 to 15th. Now, right now, they're like 19th. But with Caruso and Lonzo and everyone healthy, they were top 10 uh, pretty pretty safely. And their offense has been top five more recently. So, you know, the team has really kind of done everything we wanted and more, even without Pat. And now some of that may be because Pat's out, that guys with more experience and more consistency have been able to kind of fill that role. And Javante Green has been a revelation. Uh, starting at the four, despite his size, his energy and activity have really kind of gotten the starters onto the right track. So it's hard to say if Pat coming back is going to give you that consistency that you hope for. You know, Laro's, as Laro said, you got a couple of glimpses in summer league. I thought you got some really nice glimpses with his short roll passing and playmaking. Um, and then in, in a couple of games before he went down with injury. But what you need Pat to do theoretically is, you know, obviously hit your threes and be a defensive pest to guys like Kevin Durant and Giannis and Bam Adebayo maybe and, and those yeah. kind of guys. And that's a really, really tough ask for anybody in the league, but especially a guy who's come off a rookie season in a four-month or five-month injury timeline. So that's the problem is is it's theoretical. So if if your plan or if AK's plan is not to – try and really go all in this season, then I don't think it's as big of an issue. I think we can get some playoff experience, get into that second round, maybe have a puncher's chance at the conference finals. If on the other hand, they think this is the year that we need to go for it. We don't know if DeRozan's going to have another year like this. We don't know if Vooch is really going to drop off a cliff next year. You know, if this is just a mirage or if he's actually declining. So I see those legitimate fears. And if you do want to go all in, I think relying on Pat and the theoretical rim protection and threes and short roll passing and and playmaking that he provides i think that's a tough thing to rely on going into uh you know a, a seven game series against brooklyn or milwaukee or miami heat so that's kind of where i'm at with it but i could see us getting to those heights and i could see pat realizing that potential but it's a lot to ask i think for this year yeah you know it's uh it's interesting with this latest stretch i think it confirmed for me i was one of those people that might have been okay with the idea of using patrick williams as a, as a piece to get a jeremy grant or christian wood or one of those guys after this i'd say you know what i don't know if it's worth it like i'd rather see what i got in patrick williams instead of getting rid of him and getting some player that could improve this team but not necessarily get them over the hump so I think I'd be okay kind of just rolling the dice for the rest of this year, seeing where it gets us. And, you know, to your point, Chris, with um, the possibilities of, you know, two guys declining, I 
would not be surprised, and this is maybe just me being overly optimistic in AK and Eversley, if this summer, if there was a, a superstar, a younger superstar ready to hit the, the block, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe at that point somebody gets mortgaged off. And honestly, you know, Vooch's contract is not a terrible contract to move. I know some people are down on him, but it's de-escalating every year and $20 million is not really a, a ton of money. It's a great contract to move potentially if maybe there's a, a big out there. I've always been pounding the, the drum for Carl Anthony Towns if he ever hit the market, but, you know, I'm also delusional, but that's neither here nor there. Hey, hey Matt, I mean, just wait for Jokic to come in 2023 free agency. He loves AK, right? So well, you Here's the thing. You never know. We joke about it now. But see, like, what if we're finally that franchise that finally becomes a destination? You know what I mean? Like, where the superstar doesn't care. They just say, get me to Chicago. I don't care how you do it. That's where I'm going. So make it happen. Well, I don't think it's out of the question for, I mean, that's one of, that was one of uh, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Kerber's biggest goals is to put Chicago back on the map as a free agent destination because you've got three ways to improve your team. You, you can do it through the draft, through trades, and free agency. And we've been basically playing this game with one hand behind our back. We, we haven't had free agents sign with us until, I mean, Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan are the two biggest, you know, quote unquote, free agent signings. I know they were sign and trades, but those are the two biggest free agents we've had ever. I mean, I don't know. Like, I can't think of the last great one we had. I mean, Pal Gasol comes to mind, but he was kind of in the twilight of his career at, the, at that point. So putting Chicago on the map opens you up to those possibilities. Well, and I would also say this, like you mentioned having a hand tied behind your back with free agency. I think that under the Garpax regime, even using the trade market to your advantage, this was the first time I've ever seen a Bulls front office actually use the sign and trade market effectively. You know, like there are ways to sign people and to operate over the cap. A lot of great teams do it around the league, and it's it was nice to see the Bulls actually put on their big boy pants and do it. I guess that's what makes me encouraged. So I want to leave on this question. We'll start with you, Laro, on this one. We talked about certain things to add. Is there someone or a prototype that you definitely want to see added at the deadline? Uh, yes, there is. Um, and to be honest, I've been watching some games of them ever since the show uh, that me and Chris had. But uh, I'm a Harrison Barnes guy. Um, mm. I, I just, I just truly, truly, I truly think um, that he is that like that fourth guy that you can have on this team where he kind of answers, answer a lot of questions in terms of offense. And what I mean by that is, is a lot, like a lot of teams are going to send two and they're going to try to get the ball out of either DeMar or Zach's hands when um, they have a chance to do that. And when, for instance, when Zach is off getting a break and DeMar's on the floor. Um, at some, like a lot of teams have been leaving Vooch uh, to take that top of the key just because I feel like um, he's been in a little bit of a rut in terms of his percentage wise. Um, and he hasn't really been getting like those crazy closeouts besides that last one uh, for the game winner, obviously, because it's, you know, if he hits it, he went, you win. But um, I think he's just a guy that, that attacks from the, the wing really well. You can run different actions with him. Um, I, uh, my biggest gripe with the team when they're fully healthy is I love Javante. I love everything about him, but I think when you start to play teams like Miami 
or you start to play those those smart playoff, you know, calloused teams, they're going to be able to scheme um, to where Javante is going to get all the shots. When we played against the Warriors, Alfonso was getting a bunch of those shots and they, they were they were OK with that. You're not going to be able to do that with Harrison Barnes on the floor. You're not going to be able to say, oh, we'll live with Harrison. Harrison, get those shots. Well, um, and not only can he hit, catch, and shoot, but he's somebody that can operate, pick, and roll. He's a smart cutter. Um, he can handle the ball and in, in, initiate into your offense, just, just from what I've been seeing in, in the Sacramento games. But defensively, what I've been seeing, too, is that he's not bad as I thought he was. Um, I've watched the Lakers game. They had him guarding Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook. Um, and, you know, Russell's continuing trying to to beat him off the dribble and get to the paint. He just couldn't do it. Harrison Barnes is just doing a really good job of using his size. Um, he matched up a couple of times with LeBron. He did did okay, but, I mean, LeBron James is LeBron James. Um, but for the most part, from what I've been seeing, like, he's not a total, like, zero. Like, he can, he can, he can play some defense. So I think if you can get – a guy that's that versatile offensively and a guy that can be a uh, neutral some games, maybe a little bit more then I'm, I'm all down for that. And that, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. Cause I think there are going to be teams that are going to be okay with leaving, you know, Javante and, and certain guys open to beat them. Before I get to you, Chris, just real quick, Laro, what would you be willing to give up though for him? Cause I, I, I remember Morton Jensen threw out the idea of, uh, I think it was Patrick Williams and Derek Jones jr. To make the contract matchup. I know you're a big Patrick Williams enthusiast, so are you willing to do that if that's what the Kings want for Harrison Barnes? So you know, I this is a great this is a great question because I actually wanted to ask this question before we moved on, and that is, let's say we don't make any moves. Let's say you know Pat stays, um, and right now people are very interested in Pat because of the potential, right? Like, oh, man, he's a big kid. He can handle the ball. He can shoot it. He can pass it. He's shown uh, uh, some ability to play some defense. You know, maybe if I get him in my system, we can, you know, we can get him going. Okay. Well, right now you can capitalize off potential. But let's say you keep him and the next season he's not improving. He's just not, not the guy that people thought he was. Now you can't get guys like Harrison Barnes. You can't get guys like Jeremy Grant. You can't can't throw and throw him at other teams because they're going to want more. You know they're going to. Well, if we take him on now. We're going to want more if you want this guy. So I th- I think it puts you in a. This is where you don't want to be AK and 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 me because like this is this type of situation that you have to think about. Um, and so mm-hmm. I myself would do it because. And this is for either either Jeremy or Barnes. Like I, I would do it hmm. because I, Chris brought it up. Is you don't know if you're going to get this type of year from Demar next year. Um, you don't know if Vooch is just going to totally, you know, fall off the cliff. That would hurt my soul because Vooch would actually take Pat's spot. But um, I think you have to. Th- this is the point where you have to um, take advantage of uh, of the ability to get some guys. And like, and this goes back to what you have said is that I, I which I agree with you is that this place. I think the bulls have became that, that stigma that, 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 well, you don't want to go to Chicago because they're that, you know, that's not what you want to do. I think that's gone now. So I think also, I think players will look at that. If you did trade Pat, like, man, they're willing to do whatever they have to do to win, you know? So I long winded answer, but yes, I would do it. Interesting. Go to you, Chris. Is there a player that 
you'd like or a profile of a player that you would like to see the Bulls add at the deadline? Yeah, I mean, like Laro said, I think you need to have more versatility, whether that's defensive or offensive. And obviously common sense will tell you you want both, as many two-way players as you can have. And so a guy like Javante Green, who can be schemed out offensively to, you know, hey, let him take corner threes all day, let him drive to the basket, you know, as as good of a player as he is, those little wins in a playoff setting are the difference between victory and defeat in the seven game series. And so you really want players that aren't going to be a negative on one end of the floor as much as possible. Now you got, you know, DeMar may be a negative on the defensive end, but he's such a dynamic offensive player that you can, you know, he's really going to help your team. And same with Zach and Vooch. Um, but with Javante and even Derek Jones Jr., um, you know, Troy Brown Jr. in some cases, like, it's going to be tough to have those guys uh, put big minutes in a playoff series uh, and and be a positive impactor. And I know that's a tough thing. So I think whether or not we trade someone like Pat or Kobe, I think you got to do something with those guys. And I think you do have to make a move. Now, Laro and I had a long discussion. It's like two and a half hours probably on Harrison Barnes and Jeremy Grant and kind of the, the pros and cons and, and how they're, they would fit. And I think, I would trust if Acme decided to trade for one of them and he did trade and they did pay, trade Patrick Williams, I would trust it. I would trust that they've done their, their homework on it and whatever their vision is, because so far they've, they haven't given me a lot of reasons to doubt them. Um, they've, you know, they've missed on a couple of fringe moves maybe, but overall they've, I mean, they've really put Chicago back on the map in a short period of time. Um, but if you didn't want to move Pat, I think what you really want to do is lessen your reliance on him or guys like Javante Green or Derek Jones Jr. in the playoffs. So there's moves out there. There's guys out there like P.J. Washington is a guy who can play the four, can play some small all five. That's a good defender, and he he can really get hot from three. He's, I mean, I think it was his first game ever uh, for the Wizards. He just lit us up. I can't remember what the game was, but I just remember it was like, oh, Washington Wizards. And then it was like, who's this guy, P.J. Washington? He's just drilling threes in our face all game. Um, a guy like Larry Nance in Portland. Portland isn't going anywhere this season. Or uh, another guy there, uh, Robert Covington. He's a guy that can, you know, play some defense, hit some hit some shots, and he's got the size. Torrey Craig is another one, kind of a little bit lower on the on that tier. He's not as great offensively, but he's still a pretty solid defender. So there's guys out there on the margins. I mean, if you could get a guy like Jared Vanderbilt from from Minnesota or Jane McDaniels out of um, from the Hornets. I mean, there's guys out there that wouldn't cost Patrick Williams, but we've got that Portland pick. We've got some matching salary in Derek Jones Jr. or Troy Brown Jr. or Tony Bradley. I really think you need an upgrade at the four. So if Patrick is your second guy, if he's the guy off the bench, I think that's a really good spot because he's an upgrade on what Javante Green is going to provide you at the four. But you really don't want to have him be out there 35 minutes a game Garden Giannis, Garden KD. Uh, so that's where I would go with it. If we did trade Pat, I would I would try and make him the second line of defense rather than the first. And I really do mm-hmm. think we also need a backup five. And I think we probably would be able to get some someone like that. Another guy from Portland is Cody Zeller. Um, is it, yeah, it's Cody Zeller, right? There's two Zellers. I think it's Cody Zeller. Yeah, he's he's a pretty nice little backup five as well. So there's guys out there that wouldn't require a Pat. But it kind of depends on your philosophy of whether you think we should go all in this year or not. Because as Laro said, Patrick Williams may pan out, he may not, and you're not sure if this is your last chance. So 
the the nice thing is it's not do or die necessarily and we do have i think quite a, a variety of options if we really wanted to to improve this roster further which for what they had last at the end of the season last season and the amount of cap space they had which was zero i'm amazed at what they've done with the roster so far and i'm amazed at the amount of picks that went out how much flexibility they still have to improve it further well and ak said on 670 the score about two weeks ago that he wants to make some noise so i do think something's going to happen around the deadline i don't know how major it's going to be but i do think there's going to be something to improve this team so i know i'm excited to see what ak and, and mark eversley do at the trade deadline uh gentlemen this has been a lot of fun um if you both could share with the listeners where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find Bulls 101, uh, I'll start with you, uh, Laro, and uh, then you, Chris, can give your info as well. Yeah, so for me, um, I'm not doing too much, but um, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Laro Hoops, um, and I'm also doing a bit of writing over at on, on Tap Sports. Then you can follow me at KLA Hoops on Twitter. Uh, I I've written one piece for premiumhoops.org. I hope to have more coming this year, but I've been a little delayed. And obviously, if you want to listen to Bulls 101, you can catch us either live every Saturday night at 11 p.m. Central Time, and you can find us on YouTube. You can watch it on Twitter, on Twitch. Uh, or if you want to do podcast version or you want to watch it later, you can find it same platforms or any podcast platform. It's all listed under the Barroom Network, which is the, the network that hosts us. So you're not going to find it if you type in Bulls 101, you won't find it. But if you type in Barroom Network, our show, and a bunch of other Chicago shows for Chicago sports, including Bulls Gold, our friends Salim and Edward, they're they're all going to be under that um, that listing. So yeah, check it out. Um, let us know what you think about it. You can live comment as we have the, the show live. If you're up that late, uh, you can live comment and we we try and get to everybody. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we have a lot of fun with it. We do a lot of video breakdowns. The video allows us to do some fun things but yeah uh come come give us a follow shout us out and we're happy to, to interact with you guys all right i'll i'll remember to live comment i might leave dirty messages or something like that just to just to get a reaction you wouldn't be the first <laughs> all right well gentlemen i really enjoyed it thank you both for coming on and hopefully uh i'll have you you guys on the near future that is a pleasure as always really appreciate it thanks brother Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.